this is What Book Cooked You. I'm Brock Shelley, and thanks for listening. On this episode, I talk to debut author Zach Smedley, whose book, Deposing Nathan, comes out on May the 7th from Page Street Books. In this conversation, you're going to hear how Zach always sort of had this love for writing, uh, and really his inspiration for wanting to become an author. So listen in. All right, Zach, what book hooked you? Uh, so I'm going to go with definitely Flowers for Algernon by Daniel Keyes. Uh, I read that one towards the end of eighth grade, and I just fell in love with it. Uh, the writing is absolutely beautiful, for one, and it's a very intelligent book. And those are usually the two things I try and look for in the stories I like to read. Um, and I actually just reread that probably a about a month and a half ago, and I confirmed that I still can't get through the ending of that book without crying, <laughs> and that's probably the only one I can say that for. So um, if I ever get to live out my dream of being a screenwriter, I would love to write like a proper adaption sure. for screen of that book because um, they haven't made one yet. <laughs> and I think I know so many people that uh, haven't read that book just because they hear that it's, you know, it's about a mouse and then mm-hmm. it's sad, and they can't really equate the two. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, but I definitely uh, agree with you. So you said you read this in eighth grade. Mm-hmm. Uh, what type of reader were you at that point in time? Were you always sort of into books, always reading books? Uh, did this book in particular kind of happen upon you when you weren't, when you were what they call a reluctant reader, or what was your <laughs> what was your life like back around eighth grade, or maybe even before? So, in school, like in elementary school, they pushed us to read a lot. So I, <laughs> for some reason, uh, gravitated towards all of the Goosebumps books because they loved to stock those in our elementary and middle school classrooms. Uh, so Flowers for Algernon in 8th grade was really the first full-length novel they threw at us. Uh, so that's why I ended up reading it. I actually started writing my first manuscript probably about a month later. It was April in my eighth grade year. So I had just started really reading full-length novels, but then I also started writing them pretty shortly after then. I mean, they were terrible, but they were full-length manuscripts for about eighty or 90,000 words. So, Wow. And so when you – would you say that Flowers uh, was really the book that kind of – first lit that bulb for you to wanting to create your own stories and maybe be an author or was it something that you sort of played around with and and daydreamed about even before then oh i definitely daydreamed about it for i think since like fifth grade and that was pretty much all i thought about during most of my classes (laughs) and uh, i always liked coming up with stories and thinking of stories and I don't know what actually inspired me to sit down and just start typing one night, but I remember that it felt really good to just be able to make it something tangible in Microsoft Word. And I think I wrote my first manuscript in about six weeks. Pretty much as soon as I got home from school every day, I would uh, type a lot. And like I said, I mean, it was garbage, but... (laughs) Uh, it, it was a full-length uh, manuscript, and 
I think I was reading Flowers for Algernon like right alongside that. And what I particularly liked about that book, amongst the many other things I already mentioned, is like the writing style is very unique. Uh, when it starts, there's not much punctuation or grammar or anything like that. And just the way they played around with formatting and stuff was like that sort of made it more fun to read and made me more interested in injecting some of those techniques into my own writing. Hmm. So these books that you were writing, you know, what were they about? What were you, what were the genre? What was going on in them? Oh gosh. So they were middle grade fantasy. So very, very different from what I write now. Um, I don't even know if I can like, I don't even, I I don't think I can even tell you what was going on in them. Uh, They weren't very good. I would characterize them as Percy Jackson meets like Narnia or something. But um, uh, I will say I ended up writing, it was a series and I believe I wrote 13 of them and they were all like a hundred thousand words. So I worked really, really hard on them. Uh, didn't make them any less terrible, but it was, I guess, a nice jumping off point. Um, so I didn't end up writing my first, I guess, quote unquote, serious manuscript until probably about two months after my high school graduation. And that was a contemporary novel that I'm actually trying to scrape together into what will hopefully be my second book that I submit to my publisher. Um, but I wrote that one shortly before going off to college. And then while I was in college, I wrote Deposing Nathan, which is, of course, the one that's coming out now. And because you were writing so much, uh, you know, getting you know so many words down on page, was it something where you were actively sharing uh, your work with others, whether it was family, whether it was friends, or was it something you kind of kept to yourself and it was your little thing, it was your little kind of private expression you know some uh teenagers some young people have that secret uh, journal of poetry that's just for themselves <laughs> was it was it like that for you or were you trying to get people to read your work and maybe give you feedback oh it was absolutely a sort of private secret little thing for a while um i think up until my 16th birthday actually uh it was up until then i pretty much hadn't told anybody that I like to write like at all. Mm. So yeah, I literally had all my manuscripts in like a locked uh, hidden folder in my <laughs> computer desktop. So my parents wouldn't find it, um, which is probably not the worst thing I could have on there as a 15 year old, but uh, still <laughs> that was the worst thing that I had on there. So I eventually told one of my friends that I liked writing uh, as my friend Paige and she asked for a copy of my first book and I ended up giving it to her and she actually ended up for my birthday present getting it printed out not by like a publisher but Mm -hmm. just using like I think a printing press service or something and so my present from her for my 16th birthday was a like produced copy Mm -hmm. of the book I had written And so at that point, I kind of had to show my parents that, and they were just, like, probably more stunned than when I came out, to be honest. (laughs) And it was a little scarier showing them that because uh, I didn't know how they were going to react. But they were incredibly supportive and still are uh, incredibly supportive. So from there, my mom read every single thing I wrote. 
and uh, I love her infinitely for not judging me on just some of the crap I handed her because it's I gave her a lot of really bad manuscripts and she was very encouraging uh, for me to keep going and eventually I wrote something that hopefully wasn't crap so and so <laughs> around this time uh, you know especially thinking about your YA years your teenage years what books do you remember uh, really being influential or being important to you uh, the one that definitely stands out would be the book Twisted by Laurie Hulse Anderson. A lot of people know her. She wrote the book Speak. Um, and Twisted was, I think, like three years later. And that one, I'm trying to think how to describe the premise. It's it's not a particularly like high-concept hook. It's basically just a teenage boy in his senior year of high school uh, trying to figure himself out. But what hooked me immediately with that one is I was around the main character's age when I read that book and I couldn't believe that this middle-aged woman had managed to emulate a teenage boy's voice so like accurately um and so that I remember for some reason it was on our optional reading list for my English class and I remember being shocked that a book that was so fun and engrossing and modern would be something that we were reading in an English class. <laughs> so I read that one in one night and it's what inspired me to make that shift from middle grade fantasy to contemporary realistic young adult. And so with writing as much as you were, did it, was it always kind of your goal then to uh, be an author uh, or was it still kind of this dream phase, this pastime, this uh, pipe dream for you? Definitely it was a tangible goal of mine, especially once I started telling people that I wrote. Probably by my senior year of high school, everyone who knew anything about me knew that I liked to write. And a lot of teenagers... There are a lot of teenagers who do like to write, but in my case, uh, people knew that I had like I was like cranking out manuscripts, and probably the end of my eleventh grade year, I actually started sending queries to agents for that terrible middle grade series I mentioned, which uh, they all did the right thing and <laughs> rejected it outright. But um, that got me familiar with the querying process. And so, like, I got the Guide to Literary Agents 2012 for, that would have been my 17th birthday. And my parents, you know, encouraged me to send out queries and keep sending. And I probably, like, off and on ended up, my total querying time in my life has been from 2012 to 2017 um, across three different projects. So, but throughout the entire thing, my dream has been to be a published author. And the goalpost has kind of kept moving, and I'm being very conscious about that because when I got my offer of representation from my agent, I was so overwhelmed, I just started crying. I was... <laughs> Uh, kind of felt like I had made it, but then that was really only the starting point because we jumped into submission mode where we were submitting to editors and going through the motions with that. 
And then when we got the contract in place, the real work began to edit the manuscripts, edit the past pages, uh, select a cover and a title, and put together the marketing, which is what I'm in the middle of now. And I still haven't really ever gotten the chance to exhale. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I'll get that I made it feeling on publication day. And probably when I start hearing reactions from my friends and family who will read the book. (laughs) But then I'm now setting my sights on like my dream is to be a screenwriter. So I've written the I've already written a screenplay adaption of the book and I would love to try and shop that out a little bit. So um, to answer your question, yeah, it's I've (laughs) I've been pretty goal oriented. And so let's start. You know, we've we've been talking around it, so let's start talking about the book. Uh, Deposing Nathan comes out on May the 7th from Page Street. So give me the synopsis of what this book's about. The book's about a high school boy named Nathan who has to give a legal statement about how and why he was stabbed by his best friend. So the book's a transcript of Nathan's deposition as he's being interrogated, and it tells the story of basically what happened between them and all eyes are on him because what he says and the story he tells will determine what happens to his best friend now. And so what was your sort of initial idea for this book? So how I tend to write my books, at least right now, is I like to glue together two different concepts uh, to try and make a really strong premise. So in this case, uh, the concept of sort of a courtroom drama type thing, I knew I wanted to do something like that. But I kind of wanted to avoid the whole soap opera thing of being up on the witness stand and giving this long testimony. So I looked into framing it around a deposition since that's a little more grounded and more of them just sort of chatting in a conference room. Um, and then the other half of the concept was, of course, the main storyline between the two boys and what ends up happening that ultimately leads to, um, well, what happens. And for that, I basically just wanted to offer a lot of commentary on uh, bisexuality and religion and the intersection of the two. And so themes like that, I just sort of, wanted to have a platform to be able to offer some commentary and explore some of those themes. Uh, So that's sort of when everything, I distinctly remember there was an evening in May of, I guess it was 2016, where I looked at the whole outline and everything just kind of clicked. And then I sat down and started writing the manuscript. And I think I finished that in about four or five weeks. And so... With two things going on in the book, the first, the first part, the framing it as a deposition, uh, with the kind of the way you're telling the story, was there uh, any problems or obstacles in in presenting the story that way that you found in your process? Many, because I really, 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 really didn't want my book to be one of those crime dramas that glosses over the meticulous details of the legal process. Uh, I didn't want it to play around with timeline. I didn't want it to play around with would certain people be allowed in to sit in the deposition room or not? How long would it typically go? What types of questions would be asked? So I did probably about four or five months of legal research um, and reconstructed the timeline of how depositions go 
many times. Uh, I watched a lot of long hours of actual depositions and researched all the different laws. It takes place in West Virginia, so I researched all the laws on that and stuff. And I mean, I'm sure there's still something I got wrong because I'm not a lawyer, but I combed over it, I can't even tell you how many times, to try and make sure that the story was dictated by how an actual deposition would go. Um, so probably the biggest liberty it takes is that Cameron, Nate's best friend, is allowed to sit in the room with him as he's being deposed. And that one, I looked it up, and it was one of those, you're not not allowed to do it. (laughs) So, um, but there were quite a few things I had to alter about the story to make it fit that format. But that actually made the outlining part easier, so... Uh, I'm hoping, I'm really hoping that I got a lot of it right. And then when it comes to the plot and the story itself, and and you mentioned how you really wanted to, during that, address uh, religion and bisexuality, and was it hard then kind of marrying those two? Uh, was it, did you find a, a sort of a, what I'll say, a natural fit combining the story with uh, maybe, I don't want to say message, but those topics and really commenting on uh, those issues uh, or did it just sort of come naturally uh, with the story you wanted to tell and how you wanted to tell it? Messages themselves came naturally from the setup of the story because uh, I basically pit two, the two characters uh, against each other pretty heavily where Nathan is a little more traditionally religious and initially doesn't even acknowledge that bisexuality is a thing, that it even exists. And uh, Cameron, the best friend, is a little more open-minded, and both are fierce uh, with their viewpoints. So basically the entire book is kind of just one giant series of arguments. And I got inspiration for that from Aaron Sorkin, who's probably my... um, role model when it comes to writing uh and this movie called the normal heart which is based on a play about the um aids epidemic and i if anybody hasn't seen the normal heart i highly recommend it it's a tough movie to watch but the dialogue in that is some of the sharpest dialogue i've ever seen in any movie uh it sounds like something that was written by aaron sorkin and that movie is packed full of messages and in many ways it's hitting you over the head with a lot of different viewpoints and stuff, but they're delivered in such a thorough way with a lot of different characters arguing different sides of it that it really feels very natural and very intelligent. So I'm hoping mine is half as good as any of those. And, you know, as well as, you know, you mentioned Aaron Sorkin being an inspiration. Uh, were there other books, especially, you know, you're at a high school where you're not handed books to read and, and things like that. Uh, after high school, what books were there for you that continued to kind of inspire you and what you wanted to strive for in your writing and in topics and in genre and, and just style? That's a good question, because to be honest with you, most of my inspirations for writing tends to actually come from screenplays. And I don't know if that's because I'm like a huge movie nerd or what, but 
Um, often when I'm like trying to get myself in the mode of uh, writing for the day and coming up with like really crisp rapid fire dialogue, which I try to have in my book, I'll rewatch uh, movies and TV shows that I think have really good, intelligent um, writing behind them. And in fact, on my website, I list, uh, I think I list some of the books and mo- or the movies and TV shows that are sort of my go-to. Um, the interesting thing is, like with young adults books, there's many that I really really like, and many that have tugged at my heartstrings. But I haven't really seen that many that have sort of rapid back and fire, back and forth um, exchanges between characters. I'm trying to think if I've read any. There are none coming to mind, really. It's, and I'm curious what, how good of a job I did with mine because there are many parts of my book where the dialogue is just, um, you know, each line is a bit of dialogue with no modifiers or descriptors in between. And I'm an enormous uh, fan of end dashes. <laughs> I, my book is littered with dashes everywhere. <laughs> and it's because everybody's constantly interrupting each other. So, to be honest, I don't think I've really read a book that tries to tackle dialogue like that. I'm sure there are some out there, and I do have an enormous stack of books that I've been meaning to read. Um, But I am also hoping to bring something, hopefully a little bit unique to the genre, if such a thing's even possible at this point. Yeah, that's great. And so one thing... uh that I always like to ask authors, uh, especially, you know, write in in YA uh, as adults, if you could hand uh, Deposing Nathan to the high school version of Zach and <laughs> allow him to read it, uh, what do you think he would think of it? Oh, my gosh. Uh, well, in many ways, the reason I wrote it is because high school me would have needed a book like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and... To be clear, when I was in high school, I wasn't going around denying that bisexuality existed, but I had never heard of it. Mm -hmm. Um, I grew up in a very small town in Southern Maryland, so that's probably why. (laughs) But um, so literally, uh, so I I ended up coming out in probably about halfway through college. And literally how that went is I heard the term for the first time, thought, oh, that sounds like it applies to me and then took about two weeks to make sure I was positive and then started coming out to people. So this book discusses bisexuality in a way that I hope is tacked onto a more high concept uh, mainstream hook uh, so that I hope while it allows LGBT teenagers to feel seen and heard. I also hope it finds its way into the hands of some people who maybe aren't even considering that there's stuff to take away from the book for them. Um, But maybe there is. So to answer your question, it would have uh, saved me a lot of time if somebody (laughs) had given me this book when I was younger. (laughs) That's great. Well, a few questions as we uh, wind things down here. The first one being, what is because you're a movie lover, mm-hmm. this might be perfect for you. What is your favorite movie that's based on a book? Ooh, there's a lot. Um, well, I should note that because I am such a, a movie snob, it's very, very difficult uh, f- for me to be happy with a movie adaption because 
to me, it can't just do justice to the book. It has to also stand on its own with like exceptional direction and cinematography and score is always a big deal to me. So um, probably my favorite would have to be the film adaption of Perks of Being a Wallflower. Mm-hmm. Um, that pro- which probably that has a lot to do with the fact that it was written and directed by the author of the book. <laughs> um, and the book is very... Have you read Perks of Being a Wallflower? I have, I have, yes. It's one of my okay. favorites. Yeah, so you, you're aware that it's basically t- all told through letters, mm-hmm. and a lot of the events that take place are summarized without really being... Um, like, there's not a lot of dialogue tags. It's mostly Charlie narrating what happened. So I didn't know what I was going to think of the movie, but I thought it was fantastic at offering a new look at the same material because it allowed us to actually see those scenes played out. Um, and Stephen Chbosky is also a very good writer, and a lot of the dialogue in there is very good as well. So, um, yeah, that's one of my favorite movies, and I would say definitely my favorite film adaption of any book. Oh, that's great. Uh, the next question, is there a book or a series you're willing to admit that you've either never read or just simply weren't able to finish? Oof, I might draw the anger of a lot of people here. Um, <laughs> Lord of the Rings. Okay. I tried to read Lord of the Rings probably six or seven times. And, like, I really liked Chronicles of Narnia, and I know both found their way onto my bookshelf at about the same time when I was in middle school. And for some reason, I loved Chronicles of Narnia. It's probably my favorite fantasy series ever written. And Lord of the Rings, I... I've just tried so many times, and I've never made it past, like, halfway through one of the books. Um, and to be honest, like, I like the movie... Well, I like the original trilogy of the Lord of the Rings movies. Um, but even those, I'm just kind of like, this is getting a little long. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, I think they're excellent pieces of art, and I'm, of course, very glad they exist. But personally... Um, I've never been able to finish reading them. <laughs> Very good. And then finally, what is the last great book that you've read? Oh, that's a very it's uh, a very high bar because I read a lot of books and I think many of them are quite good, but I'm pretty stringent about what I think is great. I will have to say probably the book "More Happy Than Not" by Adam okay. Silvera. I read that one almost a year ago. And that made me cry a lot, which happens less than you think. Um, I really like cerebral books, and that one dealt with memory and how it ties to identity in a way that I thought was just very intelligent, and uh, I hadn't seen anything like it before. It also had a few twists that I didn't see coming, so um, I really liked how gritty and dark that was, and... That's probably my second favorite book, first being Flowers for Algernon. So. Great, great. Well, Zach, Deposing Nathan uh, comes out on May the 7th. Uh, congratulations, and I wish you and this book all the best. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> and that does it for this episode. And I want to thank Zach Smedley for joining me. Again, his debut, Deposing Nathan, comes out on May the 7th from Page Street Books. So I hope you'll check that out, and I hope you'll check out some of the other great episodes I have with a lot of fabulous YA writers. I'm Brock Shelley, and until next time, keep reading. <laughs>